It's the 12th of March 2021. Good morning and welcome to the news around Uganda. I am Lydia Lakonyero. Let's take a look at what's happening in the national news. The Inspectorate of Government has shown concern over the low compliance by leaders to declare their assets and liabilities. Under the Leadership Code Act, all leaders are required to declare their assets to the Inspectorate of Government every two years. And this year, the exercise started on the 1st of March and will end on the 31st. The Deputy IGG, Mariam Wangadia, says that in the first 10 days, only 1,567 leaders out of the 30,000 leaders have declared their assets and liabilities, representing a percentage of only 5.2%. The Speaker of Parliament, Rebecca Kadaga, submitted her declaration to the Inspectorate recently. 1,567 have successfully submitted their declarations. This represents 5.2% of the leaders who are due to declare. As Inspectorate of Government, we are concerned at this low rate of engagement so far and wish to encourage all leaders to take off time and visit our website and submit their declarations. Wangadia also reminded all outgoing leaders to ensure they fill the exit declaration form of assets and liabilities. A leader who is exiting after 30th September. This leader is required to fill the exit declaration form at the point of his or her departure. Upon submission, the account will then be deactivated. Why a leader needs to fill the exit declaration? There are various purposes for this. One is to comply with the leadership code. A failure by a leader to comply with this law is a break. Meanwhile, Perpetual litigant Hassan Malay Mabirizi has dragged Kenya to the East African Court of Justice over the ban on the importation of maize and eggs from Uganda. Mabirizi wants the court to issue a permanent injunction restraining Kenya from implementing and enforcing the decision contained in its memo dated January 14, 2021. In the letter, Kenya's Director of Veterinary Services suspended importation of maize and eggs from Uganda, alleging they were substandard. Mabirizi contends that the Kenyan government moved to ban importation of maize and eggs from Uganda and also Tanzania under the pretext of quality, contravened several provisions and principles of the East African common market. Those actions contravene one, the East African Treaty, but more importantly, the Common Market Protocol. When you go to articles, especially two and three of the Common Market Protocol, they require South African countries to treat citizens of partner states as equal citizens. Actually, they, they require them to treat goods of partner states not as imports, but as goods from the from from somewhat countries. And again, they are supposed to move freely. So a, a country cannot, one country cannot say we are banning this because of our reasons whatever reason it could be. So that's why I'm in court now, because Kenya has done a lot and it has not been challenged in court. Some, it wakes up and burns maize. And another important factor is, when you look at those directions, like the one we have attached uh, for, for maize, they say with, with immediate effect. Mabirizi adds that although the ban has so far been lifted, the restrictions imposed are also illegal and must be nullified. That is also illegal. We are not supposed to be on the knees for Kenya to announce bans and lift bans. That's not the point. And when you look at even the lifting is conditional, even those conditions are illegal. So the point is that ban must be nullified so that Kenya learns that once you do this is illegal. The same, they banned eggs and, and, and what? And chicken. Have they, have they lifted that ban? 
They just talk about it. So this is something now legal because the, the moment we, we handle them with that laxity, remember, sometimes they they lock out our sugar cane. Then when ministers speak, then they say we lift. Then they bring conditions. Yet actually under the treaty and the East African Community uh, Protocol, goods are supposed to be similar. Mawirizi is known for filing suits against almost everything. He's currently in the same court challenging the Chief Justice's decision to sit on a bench hearing the presidential election petition, which has since been dropped. In crime, the police have arrested nine suspected robbers who are behind several incidents in Wakiso district. The suspects detained at Katwe police station were found with suspected stolen items that included TV sets, music systems, machetes or pangas, and government stores. The Kampala Metropolitan Police Deputy Spokesperson Luke Owoyesijire confirms that the gang is led by one Michael Chinalwa, who has been sending fake mobile money messages to unsuspecting people. They also had marijuana in their possession. This group, commanded by one Chinalwa, uh, who was also arrested, had turned Kosovo zone, a no-go area, by attacking whoever is not known in the area. They have on several occasions stoned and ganged up against police officers during arrests in their area. On Sunday, at around 1400 hours, they attacked one Nagasha while driving in the area and robbed her bag containing about 30,000 US dollars and uh, uh, 300 Ugandan shillings. It was, this activity was done by one Musudan who later on delivered the items robbed to his boss Murana and was later on given an allowance. Nine people, including the commander, have been arrested and uh, the operations are still ongoing. Let's see what's happening in the regional news. Angry councillors from all three divisions of the former Soroti Municipal Council have today stormed the city offices demanding for payment of their allowances. Some of the councillors who spoke to Etop Radio claim they have not received their payments for a period of eight months. They add that ever since they approved the budget of the 2020-2021 financial year, they have not been allowed to conduct any council meeting at their various divisions. However, Paul Ome, the acting city mayor of Soroti, calls for support from other stakeholders for a better city. The, 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 the revenue in Soroti city here came down and it actually remained in a, at a lowest peak. And that was gives you today that including the technical people in Soroti here are crying just, by, just because they are technical people. These technical people are crying a lot. They are asking there is no allowances that they have received from the time when Mr. Timon comes here. If it was for me to ask them, normally calls Monday meetings where I threaten them. Wherever I find is talking about, he tells him I will suspend you. And that has really ruined the service delivery of Soroti City here. All the offices, no officer receives money. Even when councillors that you have seen today here, councillors have gone for eight months from divisions and also here. And what I've realized and found is that there is no money at all that has been sent to central government. There is no money in the Bank of Uganda. The second quarter and third quarter Soroti City here never received any money. I wanted to know how much money have we received. But all the CFOs, all the officers here have been told not to give me vital information. Meanwhile, Moses Otimong, the acting city clerk of Soroti, who was not around when his office was stormed, calls for patience from the councillors as he has written to the permanent secretary of local government to remit local revenue to the city account so that these councillors are paid. 
So what my advice to whoever is complaining that one, let's wait for the advice, the PS, the guidance is going to give. Two, when we because as you are aware this financial year, any little money that we collect, we just need transmitted to Minister of Finance. This up this morning, up to this afternoon, I have been in Minister of Finance. Try to update our remittances, the status of the remittances of of local revenue to central government. Such that it helps the central government to update the records and be able to receive back money in the next finance in the next in the next quarter. So one money when the funds are available and we have gotten the guidance, then the councillors can be paid. But also the advice I would also give since the mayor is the caretaker of the minister of local government, he can still take it up with the minister. He can he can he can he can go to Kampala uh, to cross check whether the information I'm giving as accounting officer is correct. He can share with the honourable Sapphire Magazine. If he allows him to hold the council, advises him to hold the council for all the committee, all the divisions and the municipal council. I have no objection. So long as I'm given legal guidance on that matter. Still in eastern Uganda, the leadership of Teso has been called upon to help in curbing child trafficking as girls from Karamoja are being trafficked to Kenya via Teso. Esther Munez, the senior district development officer of Napak district, made the call today during the belated Women's Day celebrations held at the district headquarters. Napak is famous for child trafficking, where children are taken to work as casual laborers in Kampala or in Kenya. Munez wants the Teso leadership to help in fighting against child trafficking since they are trafficked through Amuria, Soroti, before they are transported to various destinations. Munez revealed that about 30 girls are trafficked every month through Napak, a number she says can be reduced once leaders both in Teso and Karamoja join hands to fight the vice. Last year, the government rescued 90 Karamojong girls who were trafficked to Nairobi and the authorities say more are still being trafficked. In northern Uganda, religious leaders want the government to give them priority in the vaccination against COVID-19. While commending the government for securing the vaccines, Bishop Sabino Ochanodoki of Arua Catholic Diocese noted with concern that religious leaders are not categorized among the essential workers, yet they are always in contact with people who could be infected. We say government and uh, the church, they are in partnership. But sometimes when it comes to action, we see that uh, the church is not very much considered all religious leaders. For me, I would say that uh, the religious leaders have to be top priority because we are in contact with the people. We meet them to lead prayers. We even do counsel them. We mentor them. So we are really vulnerable. So if the vaccine is available, the religious leaders need to be one of the top priorities because they are also equally exposed. Like medical people or police or journalists, they are equally exposed to the danger of coronavirus. Reverend Titus Achidri, the parish priest of St. Barnabas Church of Uganda in Pajulu, Arua City, also urged the government to prioritize the immunization of religious leaders. In most cases, we, the church leaders, have not taken active part because everything is centralized by the government, especially in these areas of uh, what they call task force. Even currently, this issue of uh, the vaccine that is going to be administered, I cannot remember whether they have talked about involving the churches because I'm told and I've heard over the radio that the first priority is given to the medical personnel. And uh, I don't know how the sensitization is all about. And indeed, all these medical 
personnel and also other people, there are people who also come to the church. My wish is if creating awareness is done, uh, something like uh, the church involvement should actually take the active part in uh, disseminating this information of COVID. Uganda launched the national COVID-19 vaccination on Wednesday, two days after receiving 100,000 additional doses of COVID-19 vaccines donated by the Indian government. So far, Uganda has received 964,000 doses of the vaccine through donations. Several religious leaders, including the former bishop of Masaka, have so far succumbed to the COVID-19 virus. In western Uganda, the newly constructed Kasese main market is still locked three months after it was commissioned by President Yoel Museveni. The 16 billion shilling modern facility, which is expected to accommodate over 800 vendors, was constructed by the government of Uganda with support from the African Development Bank under the Trade Improvement Markets and Agricultural Project. The Trade Improvement Markets and Agriculture Project is being implemented through the Ministry of Local Government. However, the vendors that earlier occupied the old market are still being housed in temporary structures that were erected at the Renzori Square. Kambasu Kayiri, the Kasese Municipality Deputy Town Clerk, said although the market was commissioned in December, the administration, together with the Ministry of Local Government, are still working out modalities about the location of vendors and maintenance of the facility. Kairi added that a memorandum of understanding between the vendors, Kasese Municipality and the Ministry of Local Government on the operationalization of the facility has already been signed. With that story, we come to the end of the news around Uganda. I am Lydia Lakonyero. Good morning once again. <music>